Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. 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 And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it or on top of it lately, not in a fun way. We still haven't gotten any on top of because you're still sick. Yeah. So I just want to say it's pretty amazing that we are sitting in front of this microphone today because we have had a hell of a time going on here. We have. With uh, my health being the biggest culprit and yours being second or third, depending on what one of the children is doing that day. Correct. So. We're getting there. We're getting there. We hope so anyway. I keep hoping so. And in the interest of giving ourselves an easy day, we're going to look back on your transition for the next couple of episodes. Yes. And it's good timing for that because I am on T for four years. Happy fourth anniversary. Thank you, dear. We totally missed the third anniversary with regards to recording. I mean, we didn't miss it personally. I mentioned it and you mentioned it, but we never made it into the podcast because life was a little nuts then, I think. I, I can't think of what was happening, but I always can accept that life was a little nuts because that's what it does around here. Oh, fuck does it ever. So. Looking back on your transition. Yep. What were some of the most memorable moments or some things that really stick out in your mind? I probably will not think of everything because I've been quite so sick that thinking is not happening. However, there are things that are going to stand out anyway. And some of those are things I'm sure I'll never forget. And that first one is is the first thing that happened of realizing on the day that I realized it, that I didn't have to stay stuck anymore. I could transition. I'm transgender, and I've recently decided to do my transition. And by recently, I mean very recently, a month ago, maybe three and a half weeks ago. And that's a long time coming because I've been definitely on this path since I was, you know, a toddler and certainly remember being on this path since five years old. Yeah. So that week... I came home somewhere between the gym and the house and decided I could not take it for another moment of my life. You're, you're done. I was so done being a girl. That was it. And when I realized that, when that thought was conscious, I thought, that's it. I am really done. I could be done. You can be done. I could be done. And you I am can. ready to be done. Quick, I'm going to do something about it right now. And I was ready to um, start doing stuff. And then I thought, Maybe I should wait till my wife gets home from work and talk to her. Tell her what I'm thinking. It's because you're a considerate husband. I try. I really try. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. And my wife, of course, I, is very supportive, as I, I knew she would be. That realization, the freedom of that realization, the happiness of it, like a big light. Finally got to the light at the end of the tunnel, I didn't know was there because there were so many damn curves in the tunnel or something, you know? Right. But anyhow, so th that realization of, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. I can do it the way I want to. Oh, that is so fucking great. Let me do that like right this instant. So I have been trying to get an appointment at the endocrinologist because I am, you know, a late bloomer here. I'm not transitioning in my 20s or my 30s. So I'd like to talk to the endocrinologist. 
and kind of get the medical stuff mapped out before I just venture off into having to do some therapy which obviously sounds very fun to me. There's also the fact that you've been through a lot of those early stages of the standards of care. You kind of worked I, those out I've a long I've been time here ago. a long time, and I realize that I'll have to do whatever they need me to do, but I'd like to get the medical part mapped out. Right. So, you know, I have this insurance, the kind that you don't need permission to go to the specialist. So I look at the list and there's somebody on there that I know somebody else has used for another transition. And then I thought, okay, so I called this doctor's office and they say, well, they've moved. They moved from, you know, one small town to another. And so they're not able to process the insurance stuff right now because insurance company has to recertify them. So I think, okay, because I'm not the type of person who gives up so easily. I like to find the way around a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I usually think there is a way around a problem. Actually, I always do think there is a way around a problem. So I like that <clears> about you. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I called the insurance company and I said, look, my doctor recommends that I see this endocrinologist. However, she's moved her office and you guys don't have her certified right now. So they look it up and they say, oh, she's in this town. And I say, no, she moved to this town. And they say, oh, yes, we see that now. And yes, she is in the process of recertifying. And what you need to do is have your primary care doctor um, request an authorization. So I've been trying to get my primary care doctor to request an authorization. And we go back and forth and we leave messages. And finally, I sit there for three hours last week and they say, yes, you did need to come in here so we could write all this down on a piece of paper, and then we could put it in the computer and request the authorization. Aren't you glad you did that? <laughs> I'm glad I did that, but I'm not glad I had to do that. No. So it seems yeah. like a big runaround. Oh, it's just it's been a runaround. I could have gave lots more details than that about the running around and around. And around. You know, okay, so knowing how the insurance company is and how the doctor's office is, I call the insurance company today and I say, my doctor is supposed to have sent in a request for authorization. And they look and look and they say, nope, there's nothing here. And I'm just ready to choke somebody every time I get to one of these round round and round things. And that's found in the merry-go-round. I'd like to get off the ride now. So then I, I just thought, the hell with this, and got in the car and drove over there to the doctor's office and said, I, I need to see my doctor's assistant, Anne, when she came out to get me a little while later. She's always got this kind of weird look on her face, like, uh-oh, okay. This guy again? This guy again, what? <laughs> okay, what are we going to do with you? What is it you need? You don't look very happy, uh-oh. <laughs> and I'm like looking at her like, no, I am not very happy. Could you guys process the damn paperwork. Right. So she checked it out and my file was on top of the list there. And it was good I went in because the person processing this didn't realize that the office had moved. And so I gave her the whole information on the rigmarole. And I, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them because I haven't gotten any permission to go see the endocrinologist yet. No. So it's very frustrating. Terribly. <sighs> In the meantime, we do have like other life going on, which is why we say, you know, it's about gender and orientation and all this other stuff that we have. So I wanted to talk about that because as my wife has pointed out, certainly I imagine other guys 
other women and other folks will go through lots of trials and other situations just to, you know, kind of normalize the craziness of trying to get this thing started. I feel like, you know, I finally decided to do this. Can we just get this thing on the road here? And uh, I could probably say that about 12 different ways. So yeah, I'll stop there. Mm -hmm. In the long run, having waited only a month compared to a lot of people's transition, you really are still not doing too bad. But I know it doesn't feel that way when you're in the moment. No. And I'm just going to be impatient because I'd like to have the other half of my life start now. So that that's probably the, the biggest one and is the first thing. And what were some of the things that made you feel like now was the time as opposed to any of the other times that you had considered it or even started it? What made this time different? That it was possible because in the past, when I thought it was possible, there were other barriers personal life barriers that I had taken on and responsibilities. And so really I had lost track. I had lost track of that option in all those things I was supposed to needed to be doing, which involved a lot of other people and not myself. I was telling my family I was a boy, probably as soon as I could talk. I was telling them when I was three, which I've told you this story before. My grandmother promptly bought me a Beanie Boy doll, thinking that I wanted a doll, a boy. You know, that was the best she could understand. Well, what do you want for your birthday, George? I'd like to be a boy. A be a boy? A Beanie Boy. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, something like that. No. Yeah, especially when you're three. and You talk in three-year-oldies. Yes, you do, and you watch Beanie Boy on Saturday mornings or whenever it was on. So there you have it. I think you just dated yourself. <laughs> I did. I did, but as I said, I spent many years before being a parent. Yes. So, I mean many. Mm -hmm. So continue, love. Okay, so, you know, I was that five-year-old who wanted to marry the girl next door. And, and as I became a teenager, I really had that disparity of really, I really wanted to believe that it could still happen. I could still become a boy. I was sure of it because there was nothing else to hold on to probably. And you were <clears> looking at the books at the library. Yeah. And... Then I, so I don't remember how I ended up doing that, but I did. I go to the library, the public library and look for books on transsexual process and surgery and information. And, and I, that's what I decided to do. By the time I was 14, I had decided that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. And then I did a bunch of other things. In the meantime, I, I attended some church type cult thing with my parents Yep. and uh, got a little lost in that for a while. And then when I got out of there and uh, came out again as a queer, I was hanging out with gays and lesbians. And, and at that time, my best friend, who was a lesbian, said, well, why don't you just be a lesbian? Wouldn't that be easier? And when you're, you know, in your late teens and early 20s and you're just so focused on getting laid, hey, that'll it work. seemed like a damn good idea to me. No <laughs> it kidding. was a lot, lot sooner than anything else I could come up with. Yes. And, and she was pretty specific about that description. She was like, so you like girls? And I was like, yes. And she said, so you like want to take their clothes off? And I said, yes. And she <laughs> said, okay, well, why don't you just try this first? And I said, okay, sure. I'll, I'll try that. And it worked. So You made I it work that. for 20 some odd I years. did, but I also realized lately I had a very different body then. I was, uh, I don't know how much over 100 pounds, couldn't have been too much. And ironically, I never have thought of myself as small because I have a sibling who's much smaller than me. And so I always thought I was big. Yes. 
and there were a lot of small people in my family, like my grandparents. Yeah. Um, in, in the environment you came up in, I you, felt you were fairly big. Yeah. And your wife has four inches on you now. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to phase me most of the time. That's good. Yeah. Most of the time. Unless I'm trying not to kink my neck if I'm trying to give you a kiss or something. So the whole process was a big deal, and I probably hadn't even considered money, you know, what this would cost yet. So my body was very different. Until my mid-30s, I was like this. I had no chest. I had what I called a minus A cup. I wore, like, Dago tees underneath a shirt, and that was it. I didn't even need, like, T-shirt bras or anything like that because I didn't have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a problem for me. So I was really comfortable in my body in that sense. And probably in 97, 98, I was living in San Francisco and had just gotten my graduate degree. And so there was a lot of trans guys in the, like, SF Weekly. And it was pretty, you know, more prominent than ever. Yeah. And uh, I decided to go ahead and I had gone to a clinic there in San Francisco and started working on that. And um, then my partner and, and I, at that time, we were moving out of San Francisco And it seemed like it would be a good time to do it because we're moving to a much smaller place, which is where you and I are now. Yes. And that it would be easier, possibly easier for me here uh, as a man, not considering, of course, how long a process could take and so forth. But it really, unfortunate wording, petered out. Oh. Yeah. Because there wasn't support. There were too many other things to take care of. And those things took precedent. And so it got shelved. And I also, one of the reasons it got shelved is because I always questioned, couldn't I just deal with the body I had and be myself? The the cult thing I had gotten involved in was very Eastern religion based. And so I thought a lot about karma and reincarnation and things like that and thinking, well, here I am in this body. And so I probably need to deal with it. Not thinking about, well, maybe dealing with it is changing it. You know, oh. I didn't think of that, yeah. Huh. So I just dealt with myself for a long time, and I was really busy taking care of too many other things. And then 13 years later, I got divorced Yep. and went out on my own with a son. We had ended up finally with children in our lives, and so I was busy parenting. And this role of mom, which I didn't <laughs> like the word mom, so I went for mama. Yep. The mama role was this whole other world to deal with of how people interact with you. Oh, you're not just a butch dyke, you're a mama. Mm-hmm. There's some respect there. And I understand why, because this stuff is not easy at all. No. So that was an interesting experience to, to see that happening and, you know, coming at me, basically, because that's, that's how it was. It, it, it came at me. Here, here's our son, and you're our parent, and since you're in charge of everything, there you go. And in that relationship, you really were. Well, I was mo- most of the time. At the beginning of having the kids there. Bless you. That, the dog is oh, just sneezing. Yeah. Dog is sneezing. Okay. She might do it a few more times or so. Anyhow, more recently, just, just at the time after the divorce, I started having some changes going on because of my age and because of some health circumstances that had happened. And what's happened in the meantime is... I have a relationship that is supportive of whoever I am. And not only that, but because of the support overall that we try to give each other mm-hmm. in having a functional relationship. I like that functional <clears throat> thing. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It freaks us out sometimes because we're not sure what to do. But Yeah, neither of us had functional last time around. Yeah, well, well, yeah, we had some function at some point. At least we thought so. Having that support overall to be who I was and not having to carry other things, things to be done, let me be more of who I was. And the changes that were happening 
with the menopause type thing, kind of prompted by some misplaced steroid treatment for a health condition I didn't have. They thought you had asthma. Yeah, I didn't. I had whooping cough, which has a vaccination now, and I've gotten that again. But that prompted some things, and that's mostly what you've experienced with me is all these changes, but you seem to have a pretty good sense, at least the way I feel, of who I am. Yeah. You know, besides all this other Well, that's just the crap body that you we live deal in. with. Yeah, this is the body I live in, and sometimes it's really thrown me on some rides lately. It has. I'm like, what the hell is this? So going through trying to handle that over the last couple of years with uh, trying to cope with the changes that were going on and, and how I felt about them, somehow it finally jogged from the way back of my mind. It probably was jogging forward for a while there, and it finally landed right in front of me, like really like wham. I'm like, I am so sick of this. And I'm like, wait a second. I don't, I don't have to do this. Yay! I, I can I can change this, mm-hmm. and I was so excited. Yay! I was like, "Wow, I can change this, and it's totally, completely feasible to do this uh-huh. in every aspect." So that was one of them, and there being a lot of people in in my visibility that were transitioning, including. Our, our lawyer friend and lots of people in the media and so forth. You know, I also felt discouraged when I knew what the surgery options were, you know, 20 years ago. And I just didn't feel that that would work well for me. And also, you know, over the period of time from when I was, you know, 13 or 14 and decided I should transition. And then the realization of, what it would take to do it and the things that stopped me along the way of access and money and so forth, the whole plan just had gotten lost. And and, and the day that, that I remembered that it had existed and, and knew that, you know, you would support me, my life would support me at this time, it, it just felt like it was time. Good. I, I didn't want to live the rest of my life like, like that anymore. And so... Hooray, you don't have to. Yeah, that's what I figured. Hooray. So you yeah. promptly set about getting it done, but it wasn't terribly easy. No, I, I promptly said about getting it done is exactly what happened. And <laughs> I did some more of it and some more of it, some more of it. The annoying fag. And I know that's You're not so a nice way to do I'm not going to say that anymore. I won't okay. say it anymore. He, he is, though. He is. He's, he is, and it's not nice. I mean, I guess I'm used to being able to say that kind of stuff, and, and I'll have to learn to stop that because, you know. Because you're not gay anymore. I'm a straight guy, and that's not nice. So tell mm. us about Mr. Annoying. Mr. Annoying. I did end up calling his boss and a few other people. Start at the beginning, because why did you have to call his boss? What The messages he left me were snotty. They were purely snotty. And I'd leave a message saying, the insurance company says they can give me an authorization letter to see Dr. C, even though you guys are still in the process because of her move from office to office. Insurance companies got it cleared. And, and scheduling I need receptionist. To, I need to know, you know, how you would like to handle this. Right. And he would just call back and say, well, you can't see Dr. So-and-so because we are not cleared for that insurance right now. And I'm like, okay. And then it would be a message. So then you have to call back and leave a message and you get a call 24 to 72 hours later to, to ha- try to have this conversation again. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to solve the problem, and the insurance company is totally batting for me. They are trying to get me this endocrinology appointment. They realize, yes, this is a doctor that's been on our list. Yes, we can help you see the doctor. The doctor is not currently on our list because she has changed practices. 
but she has previously been approved. We can approve you now. And other people on her current practice are approved on our plan, so we can we can do this. Yes. And these things were addressed very unprofessionally, and I was feeling, and a couple of my colleagues at work, whoever, they were hearing these conversations as well, and these messages, were questioning, what is going on here? Why is this not getting resolved, and why is he leaving you messages like that? So I decided to find out who to talk to, and, and uh, we, you know, checked a few places, did some emailing, did some calling around. They didn't seem too surprised at the front desk when I asked for his uh, supervisor. Hmm. Yeah, although his supervisor says she's never had a complaint about him before. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that if he does treat somebody else the way he treated me, that they do complain right away. Yes. Because she didn't seem to get that because he was gay, you know, her opinion was that he couldn't be discriminating because he's had his own problems with discrimination in his life. And I tried to re-educate her on that a little and said, that's not the message I'm getting. And so even if he's not discriminating, I shouldn't be receiving that message. And that could be within the queer community. That could be, it's quite prominent. It happens. So she didn't seem to buy it, but she was listening to me. I could tell she was listening. And if she hears this again, it's going to it's going to strike her. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he's going to knock it off. Mm-hmm. The very next message or phone call I got from him, he was very professional. So that discrimination issue and trying to get the insurance matter covered was went what, on for months long? Uh, it went on for some weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Because the insurance company was like, why are they not getting the letter signed and sending it back to us? Mm-hmm. So finally they decided, you know, one person over there decided to track it herself and make sure it got done. And because I think because because I had also gone to the other end to the supervisor, who was also going to make sure it got done. It finally got done. Yay! I know. Uh, Now, I'd like to see her before I believe that this is happening, and he hasn't set me up for some time, that suddenly she's not going to be there that day. Yeah. So. Well, didn't he originally give you an appointment? You went ahead and scheduled with the other endo at the same practice. His boss gave me an alternative, and that was for about... Oh, what, five weeks out or six weeks out or something? Yeah. She said that if they could get the letter taken care of with the insurance company, if they could manage their end of it, um, they could then get me in to see the doctor of my choice, who has lots of appointments available. I wonder why. Oh. So I, I kept the uh, the appointment that was several weeks out and very full week. I already had an appointment. The insurance company said they were already, you know, on this and would call me as soon as they had the letter. Mm-hmm. So trusting the insurance company, uh, as odd as that might sound for most people, because that's not usually the process. No, but this, um, they've actually been really They've been you. super, yeah. So I left it alone. And then I got a message saying uh, from, from Mr. Annoying. Yes. Saying, good news. We've gotten the letter taken care of. And I can get you in to see Dr. C. Please give me a call. So. Very brief, very professional, very. Yeah. Of course, it's a message. So then I have to call back and leave a message and wait 36 or 72 hours or something. Mm. So I did get uh, actually live and in person as I'm, you know, about to park the car. And so I just pulled into somebody's spot and sat there and made the appointment. And um, that appointment is in two weeks. Yay. Two weeks. 
I like went to the endo, finally got in there with the appointment and all the right stuff in line. And it was rather, to me, it seemed rather uneventful. She asked me a little about my history and a lot about my health and then basically said, okay, I think you should go talk to the surgeon first and figure out if you can stay on testosterone through the the top surgery or not, and then come back and see me. Now, did you bring that up originally? Did you bring up the issue of having seen people needing to wait or did she? I mentioned it and I regretted it. Oh, yeah, I mentioned. I'm sorry. It in a, in a, well, I had a lot of questions I was asking her, mm-hmm. but I'm trying not to have too many regrets and just go with the flow here. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm not pleased with the flow, but I'm trying to go with it well, because it's what I've got. Doing a whole heck of a lot better than I probably would be. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I think the reason she decided that has a lot to do with my age and the concerns I was talking to her about as far as menopause-type symptoms and not wanting to have any roller coaster rides that I was dragging my family along. When I have the picture of dragging my family on the roller coaster ride, it has to do with they're hanging outside the cart screaming. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's not nice. No. The hormone thing is just not nice. So I think she was being cautious about that. I don't know, though. She seemed distracted. I don't think I can really figure that much of it out except do what I need to do. And she said, go see the surgeon. So I went right to my car and called two of them to try to get a good job consultation as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them, the first one I actually reached, could see me in three weeks. And the other one can see me in a week. That's good. So I'm going to do both of those and um, find out. If I if I go to the first one and they say, yes, you can be on T while we, you have the surgery, then I can go right back to the endocrinologist and say, okay, we're good. And if they say no, then I want to get to the second consultation before I schedule anything. But I'm very likely at that point to just go ahead and schedule this because I don't want to play anymore. Schedule the surgery. I would schedule and get, get the top surgery done and then start the T, which is... Not what I expected. I mean, everything I've read, everything I've heard has been guys starting tea and then, I mean, most of them, a large majority of them, starting hormones first and then going back and doing. And only some few ones that I've seen lately on YouTube talking about having to be off tea for a period of time before and after the surgery due to healing or bleeding or something. Right. Concerns by the surgeon. So that's where I'm at. I spent two months trying to get an appointment with the endocrinologist and I got there and now I need to talk to a surgeon before I can do anything else. Uh-huh. Yep. Humph. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought and a few other things too, but I've calmed out. <laughs> what else did you think, George? <laughs> I calmed down about it in the meantime. Yes. I thought I had not been thinking good enough about the whole approach or not getting enough information or that kind of stuff, like what I could have done to change this and make it not be taking so long to get information and that with a little bit of more, more perspective, which is, I'm sure, only slight compared to what I'll eventually have. I can see that that's all the information you can get right now. I mean, there's not a lot of places to get information where we're at. No. And our local situation is different than other places. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling like it's taking a long time because it has taken me a long time to get here overall. Yeah. And when you waited as long as you did all those years, you know, you're really not in a rush to wait some more. No. Well said. And it was frustrating. But the next really big thing, and I think that is true for most people transitioning, is my first application of hormones, my first shot in my case. The excitement of, you know, the prescription And then the further excitement of actually getting your hands on the 
substance that is the prescription, which was the day after. And taking your little phone, upside down phone video of the nurse giving you your shot so that I could see, you know, where it goes and what to do. Yeah. That made me laugh. Yeah. I saw the doctor at the clinic. I was very clear on the paperwork. I am here for hormone treatment. Mm-hmm. Got that, you know, ironed out right away. There were some communication issues with the previous doctor. There, there was, yeah, more than communication issues, but yeah, yeah is right. The paperwork I, I mentioned to you was kind of fun because it has includes everything that I could think of, which, of course, in being words, might be talking about what they're saying, <laughs> but included like... Okay, so what's your identified gender, and what was your birth, birth assi- assigned sex at birth? And in talking about sexual orientation, it just had a blank, so you could fill it in. And I had to think about that, because I thought, well... According to your birth sex, you're gay, and according to your identity, you're straight. And I thought, well, what these things have in common is it's women that I am attracted to, so I wrote, towards women. Good job. Yes, my sexual orientation is towards women. I think that's clear enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that w- that was cool. I liked the paperwork that way. And the doc was just very easy to deal with. It was like, you know, this clinic, this is the teeny-weeny, itsy-bitsy gender clinic. In our teeny-weeny, itsy-bitsy town. Yeah, that I would never suspect could sprout up right there. But there it is, and I'm really super glad it did because they're so easy to deal with. They're so nice. And, of course, you're here for hormone treatment. Things are not right for you. And so it was very easy, and it was, um, okay, I'll be right back with your prescription. And I'm just sitting there stunned because, you know, they, they this didn't has been... make you jump through any hoops? No hoops of fire. No hot coals to walk on. <laughs> Bed of nails. No, nothing like that. No. And, uh... Hallelujah. I was... Yeah, I was kind of in shock, and she came back with the prescription, and uh, I had signed a really long, 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 long five-page informed consent, specifically regarding the medication, the testosterone. And it was, that's what I was reading while she was getting the prescription. It was very thorough. And she came back and gave me the prescription and was talking to me. So I thought, okay, I need to get this filled pronto. Yep. (laughs) Before, like, it disappears or something. So I go out to the car, I put it on the seat to take a picture to send my wife, and I look at it, and my last name is spelled wrong. Oh! The letter that is next to the letter that should have been there in the name, the one that's next to it on the keyboard, was the one that was there. Oh! So that was what was wrong. And I was like, ugh, okay, is the pharmacy going to take this? Is this going to be a problem? I'm still parked right here. I'm going to go back in. So I went back in, and the girls at the desk are like, okay, you're there again. Hmm, wonder what's going on. And I explained to them that my name was spelled wrong, and they said, well, we just fixed that in the computer, so it should be fine. I said, but will the pharmacy take that? And they said, where are you going? And I said, well, I usually go to like CVS or something near my house. And they said, oh, well, you could just go next door to our pharmacy, and it would already be in the computer. You have a pharmacy as well as the whole clinic here. Yeah. And I had seen the pharmacy door, but but I just thought near our house is easy. Yeah. And I was like, okay, here are my lunch time, and I need to get rolling. So let me go next door. That seems terribly convenient and easy. And I went next door and gave it to them. And sure enough, my name was correct in the computer. Yay. So that was great. And I had some hesitation. And in part was the pharmacist came back and said, well, we don't have this in stock, but we can have it by tomorrow. And I thought... At a gender "Mm." clinic, they're out of testosterone. I know. That's what some other people have said. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're out of that. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, that's part of their clinic. So that's the itsy bitsy teeny weeny part. Yes. And I thought, okay, will they really get it tomorrow? Do I need to find this somewhere else? Can I find it today? How much trouble will that be? 
I'll wait till tomorrow. And um, reluctantly handed over my precious piece of paper and uh, went off to the gym. Good job. The next day, they called me early. They had said 1.30 it would be in, but it, they called me two hours earlier. And they said, okay, your prescription's ready. And I was like, okay, I'll be there before 1.30. And they said they were closed for lunch from 12.30 to 1 or some funny time. Then I sat there for a second and I thought, why am I not going now? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now seems like a good time to go. I'll go now. Okay. And then I'll go right to the gym. Yes. Because that's my lunch hour. I went there and picked up the prescription and wasn't, you know, they, the doctor had said they would give me uh, needles for the injection at the pharmacy. But that time we were talking about CVS. So we're not at CVS. They don't give you those because they can give them to me at the clinic next door. So I'm a little confused. The pharmacist is a little confused. What should we do? Okay, I'll just go next door. Did a walk-in for the nurse to do the demonstration and give me the instructions on how to do the testosterone injection. And um, so I went in and nurse saw me and uh, explained, you know, how to make sure everything's clean, how to load this testosterone up with a bigger needle and then change it to the smaller one to stick yourself in the arse. Yep. Or have your wife do the stick yourself in the arse because it's a hard angle. She she pointed out this is a difficult angle to do by yourself. And I said, I'll ask my wife to do that. Yep. And I took a nice upside down video. It was upside down. It was, it was upside great. down. Yeah. I, I turned the laptop over so I could watch it. That's cool. Because <laughs> if you try to do that on your phone or your iPad, it turns itself over too, and then it, you keep turning over it. So, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing. It's hard to view. And I didn't feel anything. I mean, physically with the needle, and people are scared of needles, and I'm not terribly scared of needles. I don't think they're great, but I didn't feel the shot at all. And I thought, okay, that's cool. Pretty much didn't feel anything like pain or soreness or bruising. You said, do you have a bruise? Let's see. When I got home, mm -hmm. no bruise. So I didn't feel it at the gym. I didn't feel it pretty much overall with one exception. Oh, you did feel it. I did. I did. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. The next morning as I'm dropping children off at the school and I'm going to give son number two some extra loveys because he's been a little bit needing that. He's more he more affection. Clingy and affection hungry. Yes. So I wanted to make sure he got some loveys before I left. Good and job, I, Dad. And I squatted down. Thank you. I squatted down to give him a hug. And he's a pretty physical guy, so he slammed me. And um, normally this just, you know, would be okay. He knocked you over to give you a hug. He did. No it, big deal. He does that all the time. He does this kind of stuff. I was in a more precarious position trying to fit myself into the next to the tiny little tables and chairs in there. So Yes. <laughs> um, but I did land right on my arse, right where the shot had been. and Direct hit to the injection site. Yes. He's going down. I went down. Hard. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Oh, it was like I thought to myself, this is like what to me it was like being kicked in the balls because I was cross eyed, I couldn't talk. He's standing there looking at me like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> Okay, never mind. You know, you're my parent, and obviously you'll be okay. And uh, parents I, are always okay. I, I had the hardest time, like, even getting anything out, and I couldn't believe the amount of pain. And I have high high pain tolerance overall. You do? I have super high pain tolerance. I mean, the pain tolerance that I have, usually I have to be totally hurling before I go, oh, well, I guess that's hurting in there, and I need to do something. Mm -hmm. So pain is not usually an issue. So this was really surprising, you know, shocking amount of pain. And, oh. and it was really amazingly hurting. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
So that was kind of funny when I realized what was going on. And I stopped saying ouch and could speak again and see what I was doing and get to my car. And talk about what you're saying. Yeah. Since then, the other effects of the testosterone, the first one is that I am calmer. I am extremely calmer. I am not rattled constantly or even periodically by children. And you were really hurting. I was, yeah. Yeah, the, the menopause thing had really thrown you for a loop and you were just completely... Insane. Incapable of dealing with young people, like, at all. I did my best, and it was uncomfortable. Very, very, very uncomfortable. I don't feel any of that now. And I'm like, oh, well, this is happening at dinner, and I like this chicken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Turn and face the table. I'm eating my dinner. That's another joke. We'll get to that. Turn and face the table. I'm eating my dinner. Don't put that in your nose. I'm eating my dinner. (laughs) Turn and face the table. I'm eating my dinner. Your fingers don't go in your cup. And I didn't have that before the weekend with the kids. No. So sometimes I, I have this anticipation anxiety, or I have for a long time, of, oh, my God, we have all three kids all weekend. Ugh. And in anticipation of getting overwhelmed, they get overwhelmed. And it didn't happen this week. I didn't notice that at the time. I did notice that you have been, in general, just more in control of your own emotions. But I, I didn't notice that don't have the overwhelming emotions to control. That was the problem before. There were so many damn uncontrolled emotions that I was trying to keep in their place so they didn't harm anybody permanently. <laughs> and it's awful. It's awful to feel like that. It is. I feel like myself more. Oh, very good. And uh, it really feels great. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! that um, were particularly looking for a word that doesn't sound stupid and failing. Your words are not there. I'm tired. (laughs) I am perpetually tired these days. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's what it is. So yes, tell us a memory about your transition. Tell you something good? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Please tell me something. (laughs) I'm going to have that in my head now. It's better than suicide is painless. Right? (laughs) I was explaining that to Grandma yesterday when she drove me yet again to another doctor. Oh, fuck. So, so back to the the good stuff.